upgrade your phone to Samsung one. <laughs> it's time uh, to what? I, I don't care, but something that's new. And then a headphone that's not finicky. And then maybe decide if you want to go on MP3 player. I'm, I'm, the, <laughs> I'm the biggest walking oxymoron, aren't I? I know, you are, you are. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to another episode of Through the Web with me, Dagogo. And me, Tosif. And here we talk about everything, technology, science, and internet. And this week, I am sad. <laughs> <laughs> why do you always spring stuff like that on me? I, I, can, I can have a wild guess, though, as to why you're sad. Let's uh, hear it. Succession is yes. over. <laughs> it's very... Sad. It's like, what? What do you, is it? That feeling? It's like, what do I do with my life now? Yeah, it. it uh, I, I know it's it's weird, kind of centering your life around a TV show, <laughs> uh, which it isn't. Let's just be clear. Uh, but at, at the same time, it's like uh, this is something I've been looking forward to for a long time um, because TV shows I don't invest on a lot uh, mm-hmm. over the last few years. I think prior I used to check everything here and there, but now. It, it, you know, obviously with time and everything, and, and as you grow older, just don't have that much uh, mm-hmm. bandwidth to to invest for so many hours on TV, and then only to be left disappointed towards the end. So for me, I, I a lot of my kind of um, creative consumption relied on this, uh, and and especially with this being last season, it's like okay, you know, this this is going to be it for for a very long time because I don't know what else. I mean, I do have a list of things I want to catch up with, but it just feels like this one was something I was really looking forward right. to. And now that it's over, it's like, oh man. And the, the thing is they landed the finale. So that's, good. Yeah. so that's like, again, very rare yeah. in the world of TV shows because after going for four, five, six, ten 10 seasons, sometimes even for a lot of TV shows, the finale is just not good. Things and it out, just yeah. leaves you with a bad taste in your mouth. But this one, for, for, for the majority as well, from what I've seen in terms of reactions and even from my personal experience, it was worth the investment. So I actually tried to watch Succession yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have Binge, which I, what, yeah. what I watch it on, on my laptop. But then I was like, I want to watch it on my TV. Mm-hmm. So um, so I have an LG TV which uses WebOS and there's no Binge app. So I'm like... No, there is a Binge app. There is? Yeah, there's an a, a, a Android, um, sorry, no. on the Google Play... It's it's not it's not a Google TV, it's a Web OS. Oh, so okay. it's a completely different so, uh, operating system. Oh, so there's right. there's just no binge apps. So I was like, oh, stupid. And binge. I tried to, <laughs> I literally tried to go to the web browser and download binge, not download binge, but like watch it on the web yeah. browser site. And then I got the weirdest error. It's like the site you were trying to load is too big. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Is there so, an old TV? Uh, not that old, maybe 2018, mm-hmm. 2019. It's great, actually. Like, I think WebOS is way better than um, Android TV. Okay, interesting. Yeah, because you have a cursor, one, and two, it's sm- like really smooth. Right. And the interface is great. But I think, yeah, this is just one example where the lack of apps kind of holds it back. I guess, um, and would you then have a Chromecast or something to have the best of both worlds? Cause um, that would yeah, be... that's, that's, that is an option, but yeah. I don't have one. So, okay. um, so you stopped, didn't watch Succession? Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> don't... Do you know what I did instead, though? No. I, I opened up uh, my PlayStation VR for the first time. Okay. I bought it like a month ago, but I've just been too busy to use right. it. So, uh, and? Actually quite good. Um, I, f- I think Sony did a good job. Uh, in making it accessible and mm-hmm. like not too complicated. Um, and there was this one game that I played where 
you're kind of like the space cadet person, but everything they did was so intentional. So for example, um, your hands, like their hands, but you can have this like gun thing that you use, but each of the buttons are like literally, it looks like a PlayStation controller in a way, but like disguised as a sci-fi gun Mm -hmm. inside the game. So like every button like works as it would. But another thing is like you can lift up objects and whatever, but because you're in space, uh, it doesn't feel weird because normally when you lift up an object, obviously on Earth, there's mm-hmm. gravity. But because you're like on this low gravity yeah. environment, it makes Everything sense. Just, yeah. So, And you've also got this jetpack where you can like hop around. So um, I thought that was quite good. It's actually a really good introduction for a lot of people who have never tried VR before. Yeah. I just want to give it a go. So, um, I mean, on yeah. that note, I do have an update on the on the Meta Quest 3 coming out. I don't know if you saw oh, that. Oh, yeah. I saw, saw some headlines. It's just going on. Yeah. <laughs> Straight into the, into the news. Because <laughs> I had this other point about succession, but I'll, I guess I'll come back to it. Okay. But, but uh, for those who don't know, the, the Meta Quest 3 is out. Uh, mm-hmm. That's an improvement on the Quest 2. It's a VR wireless headset. Um, more processing power, uh, better uh, interface and, and everything. And it's going for like $499. So pretty hefty price, from, from, but from the comments and reaction, people seem to be really, really looking forward to it. I think there's a niche crowd that's been using it and they seem to be quite impressed with what's what's coming up. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see, but I don't know if I'm going to get it, of course. Yeah, yeah um, I, I don't think so yeah. either. But the thing is, I, I did see a headline that uh, the metaverse... So it was a bit misleading. This is obviously I didn't look at the article yeah. I was just scrolling through, but it said the metaverse only has 39 players. But then looking at the comment section, it was like, oh, that's only in one section. I was like, okay, makes a bit more sense. But yeah. um, people were saying it's kind of dead everywhere anyway. So. I mean, it, again, it's... Uh, yeah, we'll have to see. I think it's going to get into its its own kind of niche industry. Uh, I think for Meta again, we spoke about it. Like for them to really uh, build everything around it, it's going to be mistakes. So they're going to go the the words that I shouldn't really say, but artificial intelligence route. <laughs> We're tired of saying it, but they're definitely going to go down that route and and uh, keep this as a, as a as a kind of like a side yeah. uh, department. Essentially. Yeah, I, I think you know the bottom line in all this metaverse stuff is. People just didn't want it. Yeah. It was kind of forced. Upon, and and upon at four ninety nine for a wireless headset, I don't think you're gonna. Well, look, I, I think there's some, there's a case for VR in general. Yes, but I just don't think the metaverse and specifically Zuckerberg's metaverse is viable um, for the day to day. at least yet anyway. Unless yeah. again, there's something drastically different that that comes out with. I don't know with the AI, with the with, with the software, with the hardware as well. I think the hardware looks good from from what I could see with the Quest Three stuff. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the software and the the network capabilities. By by network, I mean the actual human connection network, <laughs> not, not the it connects the, to the internet. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> right, and that's going to be a question in one. We, we, we got sidetracked. Let's, uh, it was part of the was uh, part of the news stuff that okay, we have anyway. Okay. But just going back to the succession stuff. Uh, obviously, you know, for those. Uh, watch it I'd highly recommend it's not for everyone but if you get into it I think you'll you'll like it if you're into that kind of world but one thing I wanted to bring out about it is um, that the finale uh, watch our view ratings right so it was uh, from, from the report that I read 2.9 million people watched um, the finale right compare this to Big Bang Theory which ended uh, I don't know probably five six years ago now um, at 18 million so it's not to say, you know, one is 
I mean, I could sell one is objectively better than the other in some ways. But in terms of uh, obviously, some things don't don't reach the, the mass success, or uh, some things take time to kind of build up, um, especially with, with short seasons and stuff like that. But I wanted to bring this up because. It, Obviously, there is a discrepancy in terms of how people are uh, viewing content these days and also the fragmentation of how they receive uh, information, right? So I uh, just wanted to ask you, um, and, and and it's not going to be about you know, entertainment content because I kind of know where you kind of get it from. Like most of YouTube, mm-hmm. word of mouth is mm-hmm. what I'd be guessing. Um, but in terms of news, how do you stay up? Dated with the, the latest tech tech stuff, and, and this is actually a question for the listeners as well and the watchers as viewers as well. Uh, where do you get your information from in terms of news? Because now everything's just so fragmented, mm-hmm. right? Um, and especially for you, who's uh, essentially a journalist in, in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. where you're uh, you're passing on information, you're building stuff um, in terms of visuals uh, and, and keeping up to date. What's your source, and how do you usually receive it? Well, yeah, there's there's plenty of different sources, but <clears throat> it, so it depends on the platform. But I think the the best way that I've found to do it is literally build up a great network of people that you follow. So you're not you're not going to miss something, and it's always going to be quite good and quite accurate. So that could be computer scientists, uh, people at Google, like whoever's you know doing the things. You know, like so this is can be on Twitter. Um, these people are always up to date and so your, f- your feed is always filled with new and interesting stuff to look at most of the time. I don't know. Twitter Twitter's a bit, bit crazy sometimes, but it ends up being this kind of like amazing funnel where you get high quality information quickly and it's just, you don't have to search as much for it, but it's like a good starting point where you see something interesting, you want to know more, so you research it yourself. But if I didn't have those people, then, you know, where would I get the stuff from? Right. It's like, would I have to rely on some clunky news channel bringing it out, half, like half-baked, half the information, not really. It's kind of watered down and it, it, it's late kind of thing versus getting it immediately from the people that are doing it. So that's the synopsis. That's kind of how I So, do. So there's, there's two ways I usually look at it. One is seeking out information. And the other one is being fed to you in terms of algorithm or mm. notification and stuff. What about the latter part? Because the first part seems like that's an active way of seeking out information mm-hmm. where you're following specific journalists or people right in the middle of you know these research breakthroughs. Um, what about the second part? How, how, do you usually have oh. these notifications turned on and just getting... And um, it's usually good in terms of the information that you get. Right. So I, I, I'm... <sighs> I guess that's kind of like my, instead of TikTok browsing, yeah. like I'll browse Instagram and I'll be following like TechCrunch or whatever and I'll right. see something cool there. That's kind of my version of doing it. Um, otherwise, yeah, I could I could actually have an idea or like a thought and then search it up on YouTube and see what people are saying about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, yeah, I don't really... Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, in terms of quality of like notifications that you get, usually is it I don't have notifications, notifications on. No, but hate, but say you know, like the Google Reader or whatever. Sometimes they just have that. Um, yes. Yeah. Almost like a curated yeah. uh, feed for yeah. you. Yeah. Usually, good. pretty 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 yeah. all right. Um, although it so if you're talking about the Google one where it's just like on your Chrome homepage, yeah. I think that heavily skews a bit too much to what you just last searched. Right. So. You know, if I was researching something, it's all the stuff that I've already yeah. <laughs> looked at. So, um, yeah, sometimes though you, you can find some interesting stuff there as well. Um, and I wouldn't be opposed to another version of that on a bigger scale where it's a standalone app. and it Artifact. Kind of just, that's what it is, Artifact. 
Yeah, yeah, artifact. I think we spoke about it. I think it's the ex Instagram uh, CEOs. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, n- I never yeah. looked. I never looked and into I, it. Yeah. I think it's still invite only, which sucks. Um, just like Blue Sky, which is the the Twitter. Yes, clone. Apparently, so, AOC wants to go on. Have you seen the what, what happened this week? Uh, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So for those of you who don't know, there was a parody account of AOC saying that she was uh, in love with Elon Musk and, and lots of random tweets as well. Yeah, yeah. but the thing is. The title of her, well, this this imposter's um, handle was so long that the parody part, which was in brackets, was almost the cut end. off. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, always, right. it's all it's all yeah, always in the end. So, so you it's don't like see a- it. AOC, uh, what was it? I don't. I can't remember what the whole thing is, but it's like her full name and then um, her title in yeah, terms of her, 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 her political, role in the yeah, yeah. political title. Um, so uh, I don't know. It depends. On, it depends on how you kind of see it because. For some people, they might just look at it and be like, wow, why'd she say that? But I think most people would kind of get that. It's so the thing is, when it first came out, mm. um, like for me, I'm talking my experience, open up Twitter, I see that it was a tweet about something that oh, uh, Elon Musk took away my, my blue check mark. Um, it's time for breakup or something like that. Right. right? And, that, and again, I don't follow AOC. I don't follow Disparity Account. But that was the tweet that was fed to me on my feet. Mm. Um, there's this nothing to do with nothing that I would have followed mm. or maybe in the past I would have, you know, checked her account or something, but never checked this parody account. So for that to show up on my uh, feed, um, essentially felt like, oh, this is probably the actual one at, at first glance. Right. Again. Right. And again, for most people or a lot of people, it's the, you don't usually go on and, and, and investigate. It's the, the, it's just like, I, 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 guess, I guess it depends on the tweet that it was because I, the first tweet that I saw from this parody account, and it's the same deal with me. I don't follow it. Yeah. I wouldn't have searched that. It was um, not going to lie or just like have to come clean or something, but I'm in love with Elon Musk. Right. And then, that's so ridiculous. I just right, knew it was right. parody. So, it so I guess it depends yeah, on what you first as well. Yeah. But I guess that's where the, that fear kind of comes in, in terms of these things showing up on people's accounts where, again, it, it you can easily mistake it for, it, it, depending on the tweet, of course, but you can mm. easily mistake it for something that's not correct. And mm. then if you just run away with it, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And, and again, I think <clears> we spoke about it in the last episode as well, where the, this, this gap between people's understanding of how credible news sources or authentic sources work versus what it really is uh, is on Twitter. There's a big gap now. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, Sidetracked again. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, look, so, well, I'll pull it back a little bit. Okay, okay. Um, what have you watched this week? Okay, I've got, I've got a few... Are, are we doing the choice yes. thing? We got we got The Death of Hype Beast. Oh, oh okay. We have uh, the fastest Tesla Model 3 in the world. Mm-hmm. Um Lawlessness in Vancouver and Portland. Lawlessness. Lawlessness. Or um, me looking for an MP3 player. But I think we'll talk about that later. Okay. Yeah. Um, between the three, I am interested in the hype beast. Okay. Sure. <laughs> uh, if I have to rank, I'll go the, the hype beast, the, the lawfulness and the Tesla 3. Okay. Maybe, maybe we can talk. Lawlessness. I'll do a, I'll do, do a brief um, of all. So there was this video... I've seen a couple of this guy's videos before. I can't remember the YouTube title, uh, sorry, YouTube channel's name, but he focuses on fashion, it seems, quite a bit. Uh, he talked about um, the death of the chavs or where did chavs go? Um, and yeah, that was pretty good. So I think this video just came up after that. So it was just talking about the death of Hype Beast and he talked about how it came about. It was like streetwear in the 90s. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I think it was the 90s. Yeah, um, it would be. 
and uh, skate culture. And, yeah, yeah, but it was it started off as a blog and just a place for people to discuss and then discuss. And then they um, launched a fashion line and did some exclusive drops. And it was big in the underground scene, but then it started to kind of get more and more. But because the drops were so ex- exclusive, the prices just went crazy. And mm. there was this whole second market, hand market, where people were selling things for like three, yeah. four, five times the price. It just went insane. And then they did collaborations with Gucci and then. Eventually, it just got so big that it became uncool because, like, Everybody ki- yeah, ki- little kids were wearing it, yeah. and it was kind of like, uh. and then after that, it just yeah it fell off a cliff like really quickly because everyone was just like, why am I paying so much for something that's kind of uncool now? And it was like twenty around twenty twenty is when everything kind of shifted, um, uh, and people just kind of went to more apparently more simpler clothing um, instead of having huge brand logos and huge, I guess, what do you call it, drip. Like, there's actually um, a thing about again <laughs> bringing succession on, but there's this whole thing about quite luxury that's that's going around. Quite luxury. Quite luxury. Mm-hmm. So basically, you'll see, especially in succession, it's, it's, it's um, evident. So people with actual wealth, they don't tend show to off, yeah. show off like mm-hmm. uh, you know big Gucci written on their yeah. on their thing. And then, and I mean, I think there is that gap again between um, uh, the really, really wealthy and then somewhat wealthy. But, but it's interesting because I did watch another fashion documentary like a y- years ago or something, but it was about kind of how 2000, like from the early 2000s to like 2004 or five, you know how there was the hip hop culture, yeah. but then those big emblems of wealth and chains were yeah. there. Yeah. But then after the 2008 crisis, that became uncool. It was like, it wasn't cool to show your wealth. Right. So I think it's quite a similar thing to that. Um, but speaking of the quiet, fa- uh, quite fashion, luxury, yeah, quite, luxury yeah. sorry. Um, in this episode, uh, they were talking about just p- like people going on the street and interviewing other people, what they're wearing and how much their mm-hmm. outfits were. And Drake was in one of these videos and he had a million dollar outfit. He was literally wearing a million dollars. And I was like, what? Yeah. And, and yes, some, I think, I think it's, it's different for celebrities. But the thing is like, you couldn't tell. It was just yeah, like yeah, a coat yeah, and yeah, like exactly. whatever. But. I think it's different for celebrities, yeah. but it's, uh, again, in the, in the world of succession, it's mostly, you know, tycoons, business tycoons yes, and yes. sex and stuff. And uh, there's actually an Instagram uh, Instagram profile called Succession Fashion, uh, where they break down the actual you know wardrobe that the characters are wearing and generally uh there are uh, brands that most people wouldn't even hear hear about and right. the price tags are, are ridiculous in, right. in most because they're very you know very well crafted and i think one of the videos i saw was about zuckerberg's t-shirt that he wore in one of his um facebook presentations you know where, where, where those those big events and it looked like a very basic you know walmart tea but i think it was um by by i forget the name of the brand but it was around like 800 or 900 dollars that's like handcrafted or like custom made the the, the silk and the or not silk, right. the quality of the yeah. materials very very fine yeah. and it, it, but it's, it's stuff like that but then compare it with hypebeast so there was this one guy who was wearing like this t-shirt i think it was like yeah, eight hundred dollars, and it was like a white T-shirt yeah. with a red hypebeast logo on it. And the guy was like, "Why? Why is you wearing that shirt? Like, why is it so expensive?" It's like it's because it's hypebeast. And it's like, but why? Yeah, but, <laughs> and that's the thing. The difference between hypebeast stuff is they go for actually cheaper retail price, so they'll they're usually within the affordable range. Mm. It's the second market that really pushes that price right. up into into crazy amounts. Right. So that you mentioned you know, four or five x of mm. the of the original price. But then you look at you know the stuff that Zuckerberg wear. I think it's, it's Brunello something is the name of the brand. They're the retail price is in itself like $500,000, $800,000, yeah. right? But um, yeah, it's, uh, I'd definitely like to check out that, uh, that that video you mentioned. Yeah, it, I thought it was interesting because 
I saw the title and I was like, that's true. Where is Hypebeast? Like, I haven't really seen I mean, it. You know? Hypebeast, uh, and I have to get into it because Hypebeast in itself is actually a website. Mm. And then the term used for people who who wear uh, these brands like Supreme and, and other ones. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I'd have to check it out. But, yeah, it's, it seems definitely uh, up my alley. Yeah. Um, okay. And the second one was the fastest Tesla Model 3 in the world. Um, so this was like a clip of some guy who was like a DIY garage kind of person. And so he got a Model 3 and was just wondering how fast he could make it if he stripped out all the internals. So he took the doors off expecting Tesla to get, as in the, the computer to get angry or something, but nothing happened. Took off the boot, took off everything. So eventually he just had the frame and wheels, one pillar with a seatbelt. And that's it. Oh, and, and for legal reasons, he put the brake lights on. <laughs> but um, it was hilarious. Like it was just like he, he drove through a drive through and just wow. seeing people's reactions and whatever. But so I think the original Model 3, that car that they had was 3.5 seconds, mm-hmm. 0 to 60. They got it down to like 2.5. Like, okay. yeah, full second faster by just taking off all that stuff. So I thought that was crazy, but also yeah. extremely dangerous, <laughs> you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so there was that. And then the lawlessness in Vancouver and... Uh, uh, well, Portland. is actually sorry. Portland, did you mention? Yeah, and yeah. Portland, but actually not just Vancouver; it's the whole of Canada. Um, very interesting because um, I guess I'll start with the Portland one. So I don't know if you know, but in Portugal they uh, decriminalized all drugs since like the early two thousands. No. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. they they did do that, um, and it's had a massive effect on you know. There's been a decrease in overdose and deaths and whatnot. Yeah. So the people of Portland saw this, or I guess the governors, and they're like, this is a great idea. Let's do the same thing. So they did, but they forgot to implement the part that gives people, I guess, resources, like mm-hmm. help, um, pr- uh, addiction prevention, counselling, all of this stuff. They didn't do that. They just gave drugs away for free. Yeah. So what do you think happened? Everyone got addicted, people on the streets, and there was this guy that was going around. So the guy that did this, I can't remember his name, unfortunately, but he's doing what Vice used to do. And it's doing it well. Right. Um, it's, it's not as cool and like as, as aesthetic, but yeah. the same putting yourself in danger, going on the streets, like actually talking to these guys, getting someone who knows the area, like mm-hmm. a counsellor, going around to all these different places. And it's, it's getting to this stage where it's like, is this an American city? There's, they have, I guess, their own kind of political system where there'll be these little enclaves and there'll be a leader. Yeah. And um, wow. yeah, sometimes the leader can get ousted or whatever. And he almost got shot. There was a gun pointed at them and shot, but um, they, they didn't get hit. But um, and, and it was just like the guy was talking about, sorry, this um, counselor guy who was going around was talking about how he's been stabbed so many times, he's been shot. And it's just, it's just how things are. Um, and it's just terrible because the police can't really prosecute um they kind of made it almost le- uh, legal to steal. So there's just a whole bunch of crime going on. And, um, you know, I don't want to kind of say all of Portland is like that. I don't know. But from what I've seen, it, it, would, it seemed really horrific um, mm. and it just seemed like no one was doing anything about it. And basically a similar story in, in Vancouver. So they did the whole legalizing drugs thing but not implementing the other side of it. Mm. And we ended up with, well, at the end of that, second documentary there was like a van that pulled up who was selling cocaine and um like heroin and all of this and everyone's like cool and there was a big line that was like out the front of this van but it was ridiculous it was like how how is and it's legal and no one can do anything it's gonna be interesting to see how portugal made it work right because uh, i've been seeing a lot of uh videos that uh that 
compares life in, uh, in in the West versus life in in Europe, for example. And um, it seems like going back to the whole loneliness epidemic um, situation, where it seems like in Europe there's a lot more community aspect to mm-hmm. it in terms of starting from from uh, family values all the way to. Um, just the overall societal uh, bonding that a lot of these European, again, I haven't been to any, either of those countries. Uh, I've got friends there, but again, this is just from, from so do take it with a, with a grain of salt in terms of information. But in terms of those differences, it seems like in, in places like US, for example, it, it just makes sense for individuals to go for, for drugs and, and stuff like that to really almost numb themselves from all the other stuff that's happening. There's, there's two points. So to answer your first question, I think people may get angry at me, but I think part of what makes, I guess, America in particular like quite insular and lonely might stem from the political division mm-hmm. because everyone's kind of trained to look at everyone else with a bit of suspicion mm-hmm. rather than, you know, in Europe it's not quite as divisive. It's kind of like everyone's on the same page, more or less. Uh, I know there's some different parties, but it's much less than than the US. Um, and second of all, um, in Vancouver there was this ridiculous policy, I think it's Canada-wide actually, where they call it safe, safe supply of drugs. So what what they did was um so they you know Purdue Pharma who cro- caused the opioid crisis. They were like, right, you guys have to pay billions of dollars in damages, etc. And then the government basically contracts um companies to do the same thing. So that they're making these pharmaceutical pharmaceutical drugs and and handing them out and giving prescriptions and whatever. But the thing is there's not really yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird because they can actually the pharmacists can actually see these people going and taking these drugs, exchanging it for money outside the door, and then going and buying fentanyl and harder drugs. And these drugs end up passing throughout the society and end up in the hands of school kids. And in classrooms, it's like a currency. So kids are like buying these drugs and they don't really know what they are. And it's like more powerful than morphine. Um, it's like yeah, more powerful than oxycontin, which is the drug that's yeah. So. And kids are using it and they're all coming into these these addiction centers and it's like, I don't know, I, I don't think the government really thinks about what they're, what they're doing. Um, again, was this, sorry, just one last thing. There was this other guy that was on the, the show that was interviewed as well and he was like a politician um, in that... Uh, in that arena anyway but he kind of fell away and, and disappeared for three or four years because he went to the streets he was like addicted to heroin and almost died and, and whatnot but he came out of it and then he has like a completely different viewpoint so that they've kind of i think it's um it's, it's one of the cities um not ontario yeah it's one of the cities that they brought him in and, and basically asked him, you know, about his experience and whatnot. And then he's kind of worked with the community and, and come up with like a way better plan, like of treatment and rehabilitation and all of this, where the government's just like giving out drugs for free and expecting it to, to work. It's it's so, it's like a toddler could see that that's not going to, to work, mm. you know. Um, so I just found it shocking and strange that these are the people that are in power. It's just, yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, and it's... <laughs> For us, kind of sitting, you know, in Australia and, and and talking about these things, sometimes might feel a bit weird because we generally, if you're not in the spot in the space, you tend to get the extremes of these stories, and that might shape the way we think about these these places. So uh, it'd be great to get some perspective. You know, if you're a listener uh, yes, who lives around those yeah. those, I would love to get some perspective in the comments and and because again, uh, there's for example in, in in Western Australia where we're from, there's um there's a whole. Uh, 
like there's a whole case of of uh, Matthews and and, mm. and Ice, for but example. Right. But but we, I like again, we don't see it as much as you'd perhaps see it on 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 uh, news um, updates or on on headlines, right? So again, for others in a, in yeah, or outside if, if, of WA, it might feel like that's kind of like the day to day stuff, which it could be because we and you and I could be living in a bubble where we haven't come across yeah. these things, right? So it, it's it's just um, would be great to get some perspective so, of people so, around. So in in my uh, my search in property, apparently if you go uh, to Dianella and North, <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> is, is some Matthews there. But um, I did I did have a, a think about that. It's like, is this a biased view? Let me kind of see what people from Canada think. So I did a quick Reddit search of just like Canada crime and like yeah, there's a whole bunch, there's mm. so many threads and people are like. We need to have a national discussion about this. So, but, but it's Reddit. I, know, it, I get it. it. No, it, it, exactly. And it's also interesting because uh, sometimes people from there, you will get like, oh, I'm from this place and I've never seen it. And then mm. you'll get another comment saying the exact opposite. Mm. I'm from this place and, I, and it's so mm. true, right? Mm. So even these individual perspectives are also quite, it could, be, could be quite different. But, but I think that the be all and end all is just crime statistics. If, if, if there's a huge like increase, and, and there was some, it was like 40% increase. In I would say yes, but also taking into account Account, what Reddit says, what the comment section says, what like when you trying to I guess investigate this kind of stuff, it has to be everything. Uh-huh. Um, while I guess you're putting more weight towards the the the, the official uh, stats, right? Um, and then have an overall I guess opinion yeah. in general. Um, I, I'll just yeah, it, it's true. You can't really make a, a blanket judgment, but. From everything, it yeah, just exactly. seems like it's not <laughs> it's going exactly. So, but again, if, if you're from those areas, it'd be great. Yeah, to, no, please uh, let us know. We could, be, could be completely wrong. All right, the the first story of the day is about Amazon has been asked to pay twenty five million dollars to settle allegations that it violates children's privacy rights with its Alexa voice assistant. Uh, did you know about this? Yeah, but, um, but there's more. There's, there was there was another lawsuit that they recently quashed where um, their ring devices yes. were, were spying on people. Yeah, and then the, basically they gave uh, the database uh, that they're they're not supposed to keep um, to uh, to basically improve their algorithm. Um, and they even like they gave out um, employees unrestricted access to the customer data, uh, and and the thing is uh, apparently they were sued with the the, the Alexa voice assistant stuff about uh, children's voice recordings being kept by Amazon in 2019. So they've only been it's only been resolved now, almost four years uh, down the line. According to the FTC complaint regarding Alexa, Amazon prominently and repeatedly assured its users, including parents, that they would delete voice recordings collected by the system, but apparently the company did not do this keeping data for years and using it unlawfully to help improve its algorithm. That's what the complaint said. Mm-hmm. It just seems like um, just can't trust big companies, essentially, with the data. <laughs> oh, I've got fingers pointing at me right now. <laughs> remember, remember, I can't remember what episode it was, but ages back, back in the old studio, we had this debate about you know big com- big tech companies and and doing the right thing, and you were like on the side of big tech companies. It's it's I I, I still am in the sense that <laughs> I know that they're gonna do this stuff anyway, and it's more like uh, I, I don't agree with it, but it's just assuming that they just have all this information, you know. And, and but that's what, why do we live in such tyranny? Why do we tolerate it? It's like we we shouldn't. You know, and I, and I don't think we do, which is why they're having to pay this amount. So it's like, but it's it's the cost of like twenty five million dollars for Amazon is like ten cents. You know, it, it's the cost of doing business. They could just repeatedly, 
you know, do this or like, you know, hide it for another five years or, or do something else and they'll just be paying another little slap and I think it, it's uh, And I think what I had reasoned last time was that I'm okay with the ads that they serve me <laughs> for the data that I get. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's not... Ultimately, it, that's it, what it comes it, down it's to. It's not it, just it? going to be ads though. In the future, it's not just going to be ads. Uh, that it, if, if all of your personal data is out there... Mm-hmm. There are many things that can be done. I with think it. what it should should be in an ideal world is that each individual should be given their full right to own their own data and how it's being used. I think that's what should be implemented by the government, um, by the big tech companies. They have to come to a solution at some point. And I think it will get to that point to some degree. But you know what governments love? Money. <laughs> well, beyond that, they love to also be able to see what their citizens are doing. That's like... Excellent. You can keep your, your population secure, for, safe from terrorist attacks. You'd like to know when um, there's going to be threats to public safety. Um, you'd like all, all your, you know, all the conversations and kind of picking up what's what's going on. Yeah, like, and I, I guess, again, there are people like myself who are okay with, um, again, trading our data to, if, if the idea is that, okay, that's going to keep us safe from those things, right? Um, and again, if somebody isn't, they shouldn't be forced to give that data to government and stuff. But I think some level of interaction, basic level it's, it's of interaction not, will think, definitely take place regardless. Like for example, if you're signing up for your driver's license, you have yeah, to give Yeah, of course. But you know? it's not so much a matter of being forced, it's just taken and we just don't know about it. That's kind of... Yeah, I think, and again, it's, it's just being clear about how the data is being used because... That, you, that would be nice, but like... I don't think that's going to happen. Like they'll say, oh, it's this, this, and this, and this, but there's this like whole other world. Going back to the driver's license information, for example, right? Like to, to get one, you have to give out your, your address, your, your personal information, your driving history, for example, if, if it requires or, or your, uh, if you've been in accidents before and stuff like that. Again, that's information that the government literally needs to determine if you are a good driver but or the, not okay. for public safety. But that's, that's inconsequential though. It's like... Yeah, so this is your rule. This is all about the road. That's, that's essentially road safety and all. Like you know, how how are you on the road? That's, yeah, but that's, if 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 going to that whole black and white situation where you're like, no, I don't want to give that information, but I still want to drive in the streets. No, that, no, but I'm I'm saying that's fine. All okay. of that is fine. All, right, all, okay. all this all this um, driver's license and whatever. Yeah. But when it comes to online data, mm-hmm. that it can it can be a whole bunch of different levels from the communications you're having with someone to literally the visual inside of your house those things can mm. be extremely valuable for a lot of parties like that's that's like a wet dream for a lot of governments mm. like to be, to be able to actually literally see what people are doing and have you know i don't know an ai algorithm figure out if there's something suspicious going on in the house call law enforcement without you know any problem like that's what they would love to do and i just see it as a future that i don't I'm not. I'm not happy about that. You know, it's True. a big breach of trust. It's like <laughs> you buy a ring camera expecting it to for you to see what's happening in your home, mm-hmm. but to have an external party see that—that's like the biggest. And I agree. I think. I think again, you're not you're not agreeing to that data being being sold or being used, right? Mm-hmm. So again, if if that's the case, then you're not supposed to do that, right? Like, like they're not supposed to do that. Yes. Yes. So. Therefore, as, as an individual, um, again, there is, I guess, some level of... Um, <sighs> it's just, okay, maybe, maybe I'm thinking like this because I recently watched um, a four-part series. Not, not, not recently, but a few months ago, like just on, you know, the whole how America changed politically and foreign policy and domestically after 9-11 and yep. what happened, etc. 
And just the way the Patriot Act like went through and just what it was supposed to be and how it got twisted and turned. It's just like when you let that little foot in the door, it's kind of like that's it. It's just it just keeps growing, keeps expanding and then um, you just end up with something that no one wants but no one really knows how to get rid of and it's just um, it's just not fun, you know. No, uh, I agree with you in, in, in general terms but I guess how do we get to a world where people who are okay with sharing this information is is given the opportunity to do so mm-hmm. for for exchange of safety and, and for okay. greater good versus people who don't who, want who to. Don't. And, and again, the, it's 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 a tough kind of yeah. I don't balance, think I don't right? think you can have the two existing because um, I don't know. Like to me, it seems like if you can get data from the people, that data is going to be taken. It's you know either you can't see it or it's going to be abused. That's kind of just on that note. Um, Another news came out that this, um, I think this month, Air New Zealand is weighing passengers before they board international flights as part of a survey to determine average passenger weight. And apparently this weight will be anonymously recorded in a database, but not visible to airline staff or other passengers. And it will be used to improve fuel, fuel efficiency in the future. Now, in in kind of, um, I guess, the, the overall reasoning behind it, again, if... I, I'm having to pay less mm-hmm. for it. I'm happy to give my weight to it. And, then, and if there's some sort of a, that, a the, personal one-to-one <laughs> kind of thing, okay, like it, it, if you don't have any medical conditions or whatever and, and you don't uh, weigh a certain amount, you get to take more weight uh, with your with your suitcase because it makes sense. It, 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 I get it. I get objectively. it. Objectively. Yes, I But get now it. if they're using my information <laughs> to give out to Big Pharma that uh-huh. I haven't agreed to, then that's where the problem is. Right. And And the thing is like, there's a risk that that will happen. Yeah. Like just the right bribe, the right deal, the right government, um, sorry, the right law loophole, legal loophole, that, that it's a risk. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know. It's just my opinion. I'm just not, not a fan of it, you know. That's, that's it. But in terms of giving your weight out to uh, airplanes, would you do that? Yeah, that's fine. I yeah. don't care. Like I, I find that fairly inconsequential. Um, it, it, what I'm talking about is like our communications, our privacy. That's what I'm concerned about. What about a free upgrade for all your WhatsApp data? What do you mean? Like if Aaron Islam just says like a free upgrade to first class for no, all your WhatsApp data. No, I'm not doing that. No. Why? It's, it's a free upgrade. Lifetime free upgrade for all your WhatsApp data. How about that? Wait, wait, Lifetime wait, first class. But where does Air New Zealand go? It's not enough places to Okay. Lifetime upgrade Etihad or, or I don't know, uh, Qatar Airways. Okay, for all my WhatsApp data? For all your WhatsApp yeah, data. Sure. Really? I'll just, use, just use a different app. <laughs> Yeah. Oh wow! So, so, so see, there's a price. <laughs> People will bend to give the data if the price is right. So uh, I guess you know there's well, imagine, that. Imagine an advertising company paying everyone like you know tens of thousands of dollars for their data. It's um, not going to happen. But yeah, I guess there is a price. There is a price. Um, uh, this is one thing that, that as I was kind of reading the Air New Zealand story that apparently late last year um, uh, the, the EC European Commission was was seeing that if they can. Um, Provide 5G technology on, on, on airplanes. 5G? Yeah, okay. and which will also, I guess, um, make sense that then you won't have to put your phone on air, uh, airplane mode, right? Mm-hmm. And it seems like increasingly this whole airplane mode stuff where you have to turn your phone off or put your phone on, on airplane mode during flights is seemingly inconsequential these days. Yeah, so I, I haven't looked into... Oh, I've, I've heard this is just like vague off the back of my head memory of what happens, but apparently like... Airplane. If you don't put on airplane mode, like it can affect takeoff and landing in the sense that um, 
it fiddles with some of the instruments, but I can't. I also heard that that wasn't really true, so I'm not. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure. But whatever the case is, I think um, it's less and less important. Because um, don't they say now you can use your devices? Oh, I think they still do say as long as it's on airplane airplane yeah. mode. So I don't know. Um, yeah, that's all. Um, have you been keeping an eye on Nvidia? I know they reached a trillion dollar market cap. Yeah, they did briefly. So Nvidia is. Um, a tech company um, and they've joined the likes of Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet and Amazon uh, where they've been in that one trillion market value club briefly uh, this week and um, shares of the, they're essentially a chip maker and they've um, based in based in California, US that have risen significantly and tripled since the start of 2023 uh, in part of the AI innovations in the past so we have to get into the AI stuff finally I think we should call it the AI zone or something <laughs> of the podcast where we just talk about AI for, for a bit um, and, and, and it's interesting because uh, prior to this they had a bit of a jump around that 2020 mark then they fell and then as soon as this AI stuff started happening it just started really climbing. Um, they also recently announced that um, a development of its AI supercomputer, which will run generative AI language applications, data analytics, and other systems, um, even with its high valuation and large market share, analysts believe that NVIDIA's AI chip segment has even more growth opportunity as uh, generative AI forefronts the technology sector. Um, this is also, uh, it's coming at a time when apparently Intel might also be catching up to TSMC. Right. Well, before we get to that, just on the NVIDIA thing, I think that they're selling the shovels and the gold rush. Mm. They're, they're providing all that infrastructure. Um, I think we even talked about this on the podcast, like during that first couple of weeks of that huge AI boom, yeah. NVIDIA announced all these like um, back-end pipeline technologies to make training um, training AI models on, on a vast amounts of data easier via their hardware. And I think they're in the perfect position to just take advantage of this. Like when you think of um, graphics cards that, or like, not even graphics cards, but like um, APUs, not APUs, what do they call them? The um, NPUs, neural yeah. processing units, like it's NVIDIA that you kind of think about. Um, so it, it's just, yeah, they just happen to stumble across this at the right time. But it'll be interesting to see where this goes, man. Like imagine if NVIDIA becomes the most valued company in the world. I think there's a potential, isn't it? But that would just... Be no crazy. one would have, yeah. three years ago. No one saw that. No, coming. no. And again, this is where AI is changing so many different segments. Um, because Nvidia also does other areas, you know, with uh, providing stuff for for you know, the healthcare industry and and other different industries as well. So it just seems likely that you know, other than gaming and machine learning, there's just so many different industries that are also being boosted by AI. Nvidia also kind of rides rides mm. that wave. And I bring up bring that Intel one up because um, on Tuesday this week. Um, the NVIDIA CEO was asked if the chip maker is looking to diversify its supplier, uh, supplier base given the rising tensions between the US and China. And, and this is a quote from, from the CEO, um, Jensen Huang, who said that we have a lot of customers depending on us and so our supply chain resilience is very important. We manufacture in as many places as we can, but we're open to manufacturing with Intel. And um, Intel CEO Pat has said that in the past that we're evaluating their progress, uh, evaluating their process, and we've recently received the test chip results of the next generation process and the results look very good. So for the CEO of NVIDIA publicly saying that they're open to manufacturing with, with um, I, I Intel. Th I think there's a little bit of an extra something, something going on here. <laughs> so um, when the three nanometer process was announced by um, 
<laughs> by TSMC. Apple swooped in and bought a hundred percent of the supply. <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of it's just kind of hard to get your your hands on those smaller diet diet processes. So I think that has a part to play, but also obviously the rising tensions between uh, America and China. And Taiwan being in the middle of that, I think, is is a big has a big part to play as well. Um, even though TSMC is trying to kind of aren't they building some factories in the United States as well? I think I think it's part of the the whole U.S. and China situation as well. So TSMC would be looking to do that. Yeah. yeah um, so I think yeah, it's it's probably wise to diversify. But okay. so Intel for a long time was struggling to get their process right. And uh, essentially, they they ended up cheating on a whole bunch of benchmarks and and trying to just make huge deals with um, uh, all these computer manufacturers or laptop manufacturers for them not to use AMD processes and to yeah. stick with Intel. Basically, they had them in a stranglehold. So they were really scummy and, and just not doing well technologically. So to see them turn around, they have actually done quite well in their latest gen CPUs. They use a lot of power, but they're still like you know keeping up. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Hey, And for those of us who are not well-versed into the, the whole, whole nanometer system, so apparently... Getting to the three node is is three nanometer. Pro- yeah, yeah, so node, yeah. yeah th- th- that's the next kind of um, yeah. Step so that's where everyone's trying that. to go for. And I think the latest I heard is the MacBook Pro, uh, the new one that was supposed to be coming out at this WWDC, was supposed to be using that new process mm-hmm. process. So it would be the M3, but unfortunately, it seems like the yields were very bad. I think it was like sixty percent or something, which means that. Out of a hundred chips that you make, like uh, forty don't really work properly, and that's just because three nanometers. It's in the title. It's extremely small. So yeah. at this point, you have got like electrons, <laughs> like in quantum physics, getting into it, and things not yeah. being completely stable. So it's just hard to produce. It's like almost magic to do it. So right. I think it's just at that stage where there's got to be so much more R and D to get that little bit mm. extra out. So I think. From what I'm hearing, do, well, did, did Intel actually say what size they're getting down to? No, or? but the, uh, they're looking to do the four node ones. Okay, so, so yeah, so it looks like they're, yeah they're getting close, but I think Intel will start hitting those same roadblocks unless they've got some cool innovation. But yeah, TSMC has just been um, everyone uses them. I, I think oh, there's definitely a video coming on this, yeah. but you know every every device that you have basically uses a TSMC um, process. Right. Um, I think we've um, well and truly reached the AI zone of the podcast. So, Well, before we get to that, there's one thing that I do want to talk about. Sure. So I've been looking for an MP3 player because I just feel... Well, actually, no. What, what happened was I saw uh, an unboxing of an original sealed iPod mini. Mm-hmm. So it's like 16 years old now or something. And I was like, you know, I really just want a standalone MP3 MP3 player. Let's just see what's around. And there's basically two categories. So you have the really low-end ones, which still look like they did like 15 years ago. But, um, you know, they they have like, you know, 32 gigs and 64 gigs, so not not that much storage. But they're just like crappy and just not great. And then there's nothing throughout the rest of the, the price range. And you have the really high, like, $800 $800 to like $3,000, $4,000, $5,000 players. And it's just like, what happened? So <laughs> turns out at the lower end, smartphones just killed them all. Even yeah. a mid-range phone could do something better. And all, all that's left is the high end where you have like specific DACs and like circuitry that really affects the sound for like audio files. Apparently they can tell. But um, And it's just got all these features like just geared towards like the high end of the market. And that's the only place where it seems like people can make money now. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm kind of trying to find something in the middle because all I really want is, it's, it's weird, even some of the expensive ones have like 
laggy interfaces. So I just yeah. want something that's smooth, would work, and definitely 100% has to have pause, forward and backwards buttons, like physical. I need that. That's just like, it's so annoying not to have that, having to pull out your phone and you know, change the track. Um, and aside from that, um, yeah, like a lot of the music I have isn't on Spotify mm-hmm. or like um, any streaming platforms. It's just, yeah, it's just like hard drive music. So like, it's kind of like, I need a lot of space on it as well. So that's like another but thing. Can't you just put them on the phone? Yeah, but it's, but it's annoying. Like I've got all these notifications coming at me. Like I have to, like every time I want to skip a track, I have to like pull it out and like the headphone things. Don't you have like widgets and stuff? Widgets? Yeah. No, as in like in my pocket. I don't want to take it out of my pocket. Oh, at all. right. Okay. Yeah, so. I mean, if you're using a Bluetooth headphone, you can just. Yeah, I know. But the th- it's like, well, what I have is finicky anyway. But also I don't like Bluetooth headphones. I like <laughs> wired ones. <laughs> it's just. Cutting uh, a technology uh, right here. <laughs> no, but it's just like I'm so particular about my audio. Like it's, I just, I just, I'm annoyed with all the stuff going on. I just want some good, you know. Um, yeah, anyway, but I, I, I find that. Yeah, it's just so hard to find. It's such a forgotten market that no one's really putting much effort. Or they are, but it's all on the real high end. Mm. It's just, it was so interesting to like dive into that for a few hours and just see what's around. So have you decided on anything? Well, uh, (laughs) there is one that I'm thinking of. It is, I looked at the Sony Walkman actually, um, but apparently it's not, there's a few things wrong with it. Mm. Um, It's kind of sluggish. So you're going to go for a high end one then, potentially? The lowest of the high end, yeah. <laughs> the very lowest of the high end. Um, and some of them look crazy. They're yeah. like, they, like one of them has like a big jog dial for the mm. volume. Actually, that, that all of this, that series does. And I, I like that as well. It's like, okay. anyway, but um, maybe I'm a bit of a weirdo. But, okay. We'll but that's just, uh, that's just how I'm, I'm feeling at the moment. Um, so yeah, if you want an MP3 player, it's not, not an yeah, easy market. I don't think I'm going back that far, man. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm truly happy with, uh, with my phone, my Bluetooth headphones. Mm-hmm. Um, I do use the Bose 700s. Okay. Um, it's been doing the job for me. And, and apparently, you know, like um, there's a whole world of good headphones, like again, for the audio fields and stuff. So mm-hmm. there's the high-end stuff where you can really do the good stuff. But the, the, the Bose and the Sonys are more for the beginner right. like the, the the high end of the Bose and Sony are for the beginner audio fields if right, that makes right, sense right. but it's more than what you would need for day to day kind of stuff right. so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty okay with that yeah um, just one last thing that annoys me about Bluetooth headphones is the lag like if you're trying to like work on music or edit a video it's kind of like yeah so for Moving around and stuff, I'd happily use Bluetooth stuff, like in terms of when we're at the gym or for a run yeah, or just yeah, stuff. Yeah, okay, I get you. On my PC and stuff, I'd be okay using a wired headphone. Yeah, okay. So, it, so, for, so you, for you, it's that the wires get annoying, is it? Or No, it's like I don't really need it. Like it, it just serves, yeah, it, it just serves a purpose. And it, yeah, it hasn't been the lag. I haven't faced any lags, you know, in terms of the, the Bluetooth and the, and the headphone stuff, especially for music and podcasts. So. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I, I definitely have a lag. <laughs> I think you got to change your phone in there. <laughs> Maybe that's, Before that's you the invest your hard-earned oh, no, money. I'm, I'm getting new the, headphones when I get this player for sure. Like, I think upgrade your phone to Samsung one. <laughs> it's time uh, to what? I, I don't care, but something that's new. And then a headphone that's not finicky. And then we will decide if you want to go on MP3 player I, <laughs> I'm the biggest walking oxymoron, aren't I? I know, you are, you are. Should <laughs> very, we get into the com- AI stuff very now? Com- or should we go and talk about radio? Uh, I don't know, like stuff Hand that came out in the 50s. <laughs> 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 oh, 
Or just, you know, uh, soon enough we'll get those boomboxes <laughs> on your, on your yeah. shoulder. <laughs> That's probably the way to for go. For sure, man. Uh, look, for anyone else <laughs> who are into cutting-edge technology, um, it's good news for you because apparently ex- experts have signed a 22-word statement saying that they don't like this AI stuff very much um, in <laughs> the sense that they're so basically uh, a lot of people have, have gotten together including Sam Altman um, okay. um, and uh, you know so-called godfathers of AI um, mm. they've signed this um, training word statement saying that mitigating the risk of extinction from AI should be a global priority alongside other societal scale risks such as pandemics and nuclear war so they're kind of putting AI level extinction um, of, of humans, the same threat as pandemics and, and mm-hmm. nuclear one. These are people who are essentially AI experts, right? Um, so this came out just last week from what I know. Um, Professor Yoshua Bengio, is I think is his name. He's also one of the one of the um, uh, people who, who who are called the AI godfathers. Um, he said he felt lost over his life's work, um, and this is you know this again. Um, came up came up after he joined calls for AI regulation he also said that militaries should never be granted AI powers so it's more and more people um, especially in the AI circuit seems like they're finally after they've unleashed this crazy beast like oh you know what maybe we should have put some some risk assessment and and, and ethical um, lines drawn before we had let this out in the public so there's that that's happening. I think we've spoken in let in at length about this mm. as well. Do you have anything to add to that? Okay, so about two months ago, um, there was a representative talking to the White House spokesperson talking about AI and just saying how it was a risk and um, you know it could be quite a threat to humanity. And then she laughed and said, "Oh, the way you phrased that is classic, like funny or whatever." And then two months later, like he asked kind of the same question, and she's like, "Yeah, we're, we're taking this very seriously." <laughs> whatever. So that kind of just goes to show, like people. Yeah, it just happened so quickly. People just took so long to grasp what this could actually mean. And now it's starting to hit everyone, except for those people on, on YouTube who, who were like... <laughs> That's almost like, oh, this is impressive. Remember when I said like some people just wouldn't care? Yeah. Like it's, it's so just strange. Like, it's like, oh, how are you so impressed with AI? It's like, what do you mean? Yeah. Like, I'm looking at what's happening. But I, I just, I, I really wonder about those people. Maybe they just think, they just, I don't know. It's like... Maybe they just think computers always did that, but or they're just putting on a front, or maybe it hasn't really hit them in. Because uh, again, I mentioned that the difference with NFTs and other hype cycles, blah blah blah, is that you have proof of concept, right? Mm-hmm. What and I guess if ChatGPT can do what you think is impressive or in your line of work, then maybe again you don't have that proof of concept in your head. Mm-hmm. As soon as I guess jobs will getting jobs will start getting replaced by AI or. Um, other stuff that will seep into day-to-day life. I think, again, those people who are kind of, I don't want to say naysayers, but more like unimpressed with what's happening mm. are going to turn. Um, I don't, but then again, they might just be like, oh, well, I'd like to see it do this. And exactly. then they'll just keep going <laughs> no, and moving the going. bar. I'd it's like, like to it cures cancer. It's yeah. like, well, it actually doesn't know what it's saying. It's actually yeah. just a large language one. Exactly. <laughs> so it hasn't really cured cancer. So, But that's the stuff I'd love to see, man. I'm really hoping that, you know, of course it's fun to get um, memes being made on, on AI, but the the potential of it, when you look at it, it's just incredible. So mm-hmm. my, my fingers crossed. But having said that, um, the other news is of this fellow called Stephen Schwartz. He is a lawyer who's practiced for more than 30 years. I think I heard this. And he represented a client uh, suing the Colombian airline um, Avianca over injuries he claims he got when a serving cart bumped into him mid-flight. Uh, apparently, it's a pretty simple 
case, uh, except that Schwartz submitted a brief to the court that included references to what the federal judge hearing the suit um, called six bogus judicial decisions with bogus quotes and bogus internal citation. Turns out that Schwartz actually relied on ChatGPT for his legal research, and what he handed in on those documents were all cases that ChatGPT decided to make up. Mm-hmm. Make up. Um, now it's uh, it, it comes almost at the after the uh, you know few months since you know we were getting all those headlines of oh, ChatGPT passes bar law exams, bar law exams, yeah. doesn't pass medical exam and so forth. And I think a lot of people again, it's the other way around where they thought. Instead of being unimpressed, they were so impressed they thought that their whole they could just yeah, use yeah, it for yeah, everything. Yeah. I think um, but, poor but Mr. The thing is, like, um, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, that's referred to as hallucinations, where Chat GPT yes. will, will say something that doesn't exist, but it sounds convincing. And apparently, he asked him as well. Asked yeah, ChatGPT yeah. as well. Like, Do you think it's a real case? He's like, Yep, it's a real case. Yeah. Um, so I think you know, with passing the law exam and stuff, it knows, I guess, the basics of what to do. But there's still some things where I guess, I think one of the biggest problems with these chat systems is the hallucinations. Yes. Like saying things that don't exist, but convince humans. It, it knows what we like to, like the patterns that we like yes. and it gives that to us. And we're like, oh, that's great. Yes. So I think Sam Altman and a few others, I don't know, well, Sam, Sam Altman, like a couple of days ago said they're actually focusing a lot of attention on reducing those hallucinations. Mm. So I think once that happens, we'll see like another level of, oh, okay. So it's saying things that sound good and it's accurate. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so that lawyer, very yeah. dumb, very, very dumb for doing that. Um, he, he sounds like a person who, I don't know, he, if he was in school, he'd be cheating. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, That's but, not really cheating per se, but no, I think... As in, as in be using chat GPT yeah, yeah, for, yeah, for, for his... Yeah. Fair enough. Um, uh, but the, the thing is, I feel that, um, you know, the, the next time this comes around, like it would be... Yeah, quite a bit better. As in, like, when, once yeah. the hallucination thing gets gets fixed. And on that thread as well, uh, the, there's um, an organization called the National Eating Disorder Association. Um, they introduced uh, an artificial intel- intelligence chatbot called Tessa, which is used uh, for helping um, others with... Uh, potentially for, for advice uh, regarding eating disorders. But after reports uh, that the chatbot is providing harmful advice, they've decided to take it down. Um, that has been under criticism over the last few months after it fired four employees in March who worked for its helpline help and informed the union. And now the helpline has allowed people to call, text, or message volunteers who offered support and resources to those concerned about an eating disorder. Now, essentially, this Tessa was, was a chatbot. You could go there ask for advice about eating disorders and instead it was giving um, the customers poor or ill advice that is not in accordance to what the general consensus consensus is. So again, it seems like we're still early in that cycle of completely replacing humans with just AI uh, because these are very critical things. I think mm-hmm. for certain things you can uh, in terms of using AI in your day-to-day work and, and stuff, but for stuff that's regarding, you know, I think health, mm-hmm. um, law, mm-hmm. um, it, it's it's just not there. So yeah. again, uh, for those who are, who are a bit concerned of how soon it's coming for your, for our jobs, essentially. Breathe a little bit of a sigh. A little bit of a time to catch up. These, these things are like, all it needs is one little breakthrough and then that's it. But also, um, <clears throat> this kind of reminds me, like if you were to think about AI, in a way it's making mistakes now in a visual field, it would be like not being able to draw hands, kind of like putting objects in the wrong positions, that kind of stuff, which the the overall picture is there, but it's mm-hmm. just the, these things that are quite important that we all can all see is wrong, that it still does it. So 
we all know what happened with that. It just takes a little bit more time and then things come around. So, um, yeah, yeah it will be interesting to see, to see how many, uh, how many people still use it for <laughs> very critical exactly, jobs. Exactly. <laughs> uh, a couple of final AI updates, uh, for those who haven't seen Photoshop introduced generative fill, um, which uses AI to fill up parts of information based on photo that you decide to edit. So you could mm-hmm. use, um, uh, I don't know, like an album cover, uh, and then start extending and it'll imagine what the extension of the photo is and uh, memes as you would have uh, seen as well uh, on any other image really uh, which and it does it really really well if you haven't seen it it's it's beautiful in some cases like some of the examples that i've seen it's actually so nicely done um photoshop actually used to have this something else called content aware fields so for those who use photoshop you can just have this part of extension and right click and, and you know get into content awareness and it'll fill that space but generative fill which is a, a whole different version not even a version it's just a different beast you know of itself does it way way better and it looks good it's easy it's fast um that's again uh, a scary part for i'd say primarily graphic designers so again if you're looking to make posters or something like that um this tool again if you know how to use photoshop it's it's very very simple so i heard an interesting quote um not heard but it was part of research for for this other video i'm doing for a series uh on ai but there was this guy that had a quote that summarized everything quite well it's not the fact that AI is going to take your job, that's not going to happen, but someone using AI will. And I think that's the distinguishing part. It's kind of like it gives people the power who had like no skills, didn't end up bother training to actually come in and kind of do the job that someone who's not using AI mm. wouldn't even be able or it will take a long time for them to do. So I think, <clears throat> yeah, this, the fact is it's still a tool. It's not like it's just going to do your job automatically. No. But um, the fact that, the people that do use it have a massive boost over those who don't. It's going to be an issue. There's a few threads of conversation here. The first being Photoshop when, um, I guess, AI was first, which is only a few months ago, but when AI was first really gaining traction, people were thinking, oh, it's over for Photoshop because anybody can use Dali and Midjourney. But as soon as Photoshop or Adobe introduced AI into their day-to-day workflow, you can see how well it's, it's catching up. And now people won't need to go to Discord and Midjourney and all that kind of stuff. They can just, people who have been using Photoshop, they have it natively mm. available to them, something that, if not... Same, in, in fact, better in, in a lot of ways than what you'd get on, on Midjourney. And, and, really? Um, yeah, in terms of the, the generative fill. It's, okay, well, generative fill, yeah. I yeah, yeah, but that, that specific stuff. And mm. I think, again, Adobe will probably get get into those specific areas as well, or you can just create um, images uh, from scratch, right? Uh, you've got Runway, where you're creating videos from scratch. Um, so, again, <clears throat> those elements, uh, it seems like, you know, Photoshop's easily... Uh, or it'll be easily catching up. And would a lot of people thought that they were going to be left behind, right? Mm-hmm. Where I think who might be in trouble is Canva. So Canva was killing Photoshop because, you know, you can do simple. And again, Canva is used by people for day-to-day kind of simple um, graphic design work, right? Like you need a poster, you need a flower, you need uh, something done for a quick workshop that you have, I don't know, uh, for your studio or whatever. Um, very much corporate-facing, small business um uh, spaces would use Canva a lot because again you'd need a graphic designer who'd use Photoshop that 
you know, stopped uh, the, the, that whole chain. And now with Canva kind of lagging behind, uh, unless they again come up with something cool with AI, um, ultimately I think the losers will be graphic designers in this case. And it's it's interesting because, you know, graphic design as a concept is such a um, 21st century thing. Uh, because prior to that, you didn't really have graphic designers. You know, I think the industrial revolution was a time when you needed posters for the railway system or mm. or uh, a, a new brand or the or you know actually having certain um what did you say wait do you say graphic design is a 21st century thing yeah or would it be 20 20 20th century yeah. sorry yeah. um so so uh, prior to that you didn't really have graphic design as a mainstream kind of uh, profession, but now I think graphic designers specifically who work for corporate bodies um it's it's gonna be a bit bit tough to to tackle this. It, it's true, um, but then again, like there's the matter of taste. It's like you can ask the AI to generate something for you f- for scratch from scratch, and it looks looks good. But the thing is, is it what the client wants? Does it really represent the brand? And know? and that's the thing. In most of the cases, the clients again, don't if you're, care. If you, no, no, they they don't know what they want in a um, lot of ways. So there's, there's three things that requires a successful uh, product promotion. So you've got the, the, the business that needs a perfect product photography or promotional material, then you've got the client who would have to communicate that, and then you've got the graphic designer, right? And generally, the graphic designer would have their own creative and, and art input, but most of the cases, they don't generally win because their art or creative input is overshadowed by the requests of the clients and stuff. So what this could do is that if the client really knows what they want uh, and they just type it on, on Photoshop and they've got some level of you know, familiarity with how editing softwares work, you, don't, you won't really need a graphic designer, right? I and see. most of the graphic designers tend to work for corporate stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, obviously there's that five to 10% who would do creative stuff, which is awesome and, and, and great. But then I'm talking about the, the small to medium businesses that require a graphic designer, mm-hmm. at least in-house or even through an agency and stuff like that. Um, so that's the, because uh, I've seen a video, for example, you could have a bottle of water uh, and then you can easily change the background just so nicely. Um, I remember doing, when, 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 when Mid Journey first came out last year, I, st- I started doing like some of those product photography stuff. And as soon as I did that, and this is last year, right? I said that product product photography and stuff like that will definitely get eaten up by, by AI stuff. So I, I don't know. That. It's, yeah. it's, it's, that's the route I think. The, the biggest losers, unfortunately, could be graphic designers in this cases. Yeah. Um, but then again, it's like... Uh, when the Macintosh could use a laser printer and then yeah. suddenly all those calligraphy guys are like out of, yeah. of work. Yeah. But I don't but, know. And that's the thing that there's still a lot of calligraphy artists that mm. exist because there's still a need for that in, in a lot of areas. But again, that becomes such, that's squeezed into that really smaller portion as opposed to a day-to-day calligrapher that used to exist in the past. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's so, could be the case. Yeah, for a lot so of graphic I think graf- graphic design, like, Huge corporations like Nike or something will probably still use exactly like a but those the big na- yeah, yeah yeah those those big names would still be there but everyone else is yeah that's yeah. gonna be uh, tough. Final story of the day: um, this camera called Paragraphica. Uh, it's by someone called oh man, it's a, it's a tough name to spell or pronounce. Jorn uh, Carman. Um, he made a camera that takes photos using location data. It has no lens and it. Basically, when you um, 
uh, operated. It describes the place you're at and then converts it, uh, converts it into an AI-generated photo. Uh, Paragraphic is a context-to-image camera that uses location data and AI to visualize a photo of that specific place and moment. Uh, the camera exists both as a physical prototype and a virtual camera that you can try. Um, it's The video that I, I first saw was just incredible, where it's got no lens, it's got this really interesting... Yeah, I don't know what that was. Yeah, I think it, it, it's this this red wire that, that, that came it out. It almost looks like an aerial of some kind. But I know, it's... Yeah. it's, it's, it's uh, I think it's just for um, getting the location um, precisely. And there's this few knobs that, that allows you to uh, select the location you're in, and then you can describe the area that you're in. And basically what he did was compare the actual location he was yeah. in versus what, what but, he was seeing in real life and explaining it but, but the to thing, the camera. But the thing I don't understand is that text description of what he's going to feed into the AI, is that based, like it says location data, but it has mm-hmm. no lens. So is that based on like Google Maps, like Street View? I think so, yeah. Yeah, okay. I think so. But the crazy thing is like you can do this in if you want to do it in um, mid-journey. You just mm-hmm. use the describe function and then copy like, or you can even have an image and put it in or like, yeah, just. Yeah, I, th- I think this is more of a, one of those one product you know, like like a prototype, just uh, as a personal art project or personal yeah, project. Yeah, I, I understand. This is not going to be public. I, I mean, he might decide to sell it uh, or something. Yeah, but. I, I understand because it, it is kind of cool to. It's like you don't really want the environment that you're seeing, but some kind of dreamscape of it. You can do that, but then I I just the Google Maps location data kind of makes it a bit strange because say we're in this office and we yeah. wanted to shoot a photo it's not going to know no so i think yeah. it only works because the old examples he's shown are of outside images mm. as well so um it's just going to be uh, and, and he had some images that, that are side by side as to what he was seeing versus what the camera um had in its output uh when he explained it uh, through the camera but it's just such an interesting i just found it very very interesting yes i i agree it's like a product that couldn't exist before yeah. AI, it's just, it just wasn't And possible. it's like you don't really need <laughs> this device yeah. in essence. But, but it's cool that it exists. Exactly. Yes, I understand. Exactly. Actually, yeah. this is another thing. Um, sorry, not, not quite related, but just cynical people online because I'm sure there's a whole bunch <laughs> of people like, this is the dumbest thing in the world, blah, blah, blah. Why would you do it? And it's just kind of like, because it's fun. But there was this other thing on Instagram I saw. It was Adam Savage? No, not Jamie, no, Adam Savage, I'm pretty sure that's his okay. name. The Mythbusters guy. Oh, yeah. So cool. he had a uh, spot dog and, you know, the, the robotic Boston Dynamics dog. And he tied it to a, um, a chariot kind of thing. And he sat in the chariot. And his, the experiment was to see if it could, p- like, pull him along. So it started working and the dog struggled a little bit, but then it got its gripping. And then, yeah, he was being dragged along by a, wow. uh, or rolled along by a, a Boston Dynamics dog. And all the comments were like, what's the point of this? This is so dumb. Like, this is stupid. And it's like, uh, before reading the comments, like, oh, this is so cool. This is funny. This is interesting. But then everyone was just like... Slamming it. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. Is it is it just me? Am I just weird? Or like, what is wrong with everyone? <laughs> like, it's just not a reaction I, in my wildest dreams, would have expected. But wow. I'm kind of just seeing that a lot. Like, there's people that are just having fun or doing interesting things. And people are like, what's the point? That's dumb. Like, why are you doing that? And it's yeah. like... <laughs> it's just fun. Like, no, it's exactly, and it's, sometimes it just exists for the, the sake of existing. And in yeah. a lot of ways, it doesn't have to be commercially viable. It doesn't have to be a project for the corporation, something like that. It's something again, and it's, I think that the artist side of things that comes mm. out for a lot of these hobbyists or mm. or people who much like to play around with stuff. Um, but yeah, I think I'll leave, leave the the story at that. Before uh, just just um, ending, I just want to give a shout out to Florentina from Instagram. 
um, she sent us a nice message uh, and, and gave us some suggestions uh, about the podcast. Um, just thought it was a really nice, nice um, little, uh, I guess, uh, message that she left left for us. So thanks for listening and anyone yeah. else who's been checking in on us, uh, giving Look, comments and suggestions. Encouragement, encouragement like me. Exactly. Us, so uh, again, you. the world of cynicism that we live, <laughs> it's, it's really, really cool to get personal messages like that. So thanks so, again, so, Florentina. And wait, wait. Uh, anyone else who's been dropping comments and messages really, really means a lot. We want to do better and we will do a lot of interesting things coming up uh, especially with this new space that we've got so yeah <laughs> somebody just us with a big bang upstairs yeah what's happening um yeah like when you're talking about cynicism i wanted to launch into this thing about modernism and postmodernism, but i think we'll, we'll next week <laughs> but anyway th- thanks for watching uh thanks for listening and we'll see you again soon for the next one cheers